Now, Psalm 51 is also a, script, a passage of Scripture that I truly believe I can only, you can only find the, uh, or you can find the only prayer for revival in. Uh, it's one that David prayed, but <clears throat> we're going to be looking in particular at um, a particular passage of Scripture. It's just five verses, Psalm 51 verses 7 through 12. Before we get to that, and there's a reason I want us to go there, I want to praise it with a little story. Let me, say, let, let me say this. What I'm talking about is nothing to do with what's happening with COVID-19 at the moment. What we're seeing in this pandemic in the church is a lot of things being exposed that once were hidden. Now, uh, my sins... Uh, obvious, I quite openly talk about them. And likewise, I've also had a lot of people make up false allegations and false stories about me. So I deliver the truth of what's real in my testimony and I ignore the lies. But there's a lot been happening behind closed doors. And because of this season of the pandemic that we're in, a lot can no longer be hidden. So I want, to, I want us to look at a particular story from the scriptures tonight. And you will, you will know it. We find it in um, 2 Samuel 11. And it's the story of David and Bathsheba. And you're going to wonder how David and Bathsheba relates to Psalm 51, but trust me, I'm going to get you there and you're going to understand. You see, at the time of 2 Samuel chapter 11 taking place, in that particular season, the armies of Israel had gone to war. And David, as king, who was supposed to lead the armies of Israel, he has made the decision to remain in the palace. So instead of fulfilling his duty as a king, he has made a decision to put himself, and I like to put it this way, David has made the decision to put himself in the wrong place at the right time. David is in the wrong place at the right time. What do I mean by the right time? Well, as we begin to understand the story of David and Bathsheba, we understand what, the, what, what I mean by the right time. David is in the wrong place because he should be out with the army, but he's not. He's in the palace. And it is the right time for him to fall into sin, to fall into error, to fall into a mistake. And there's a reason I'm saying that. David sees Bathsheba. You know, he, he's standing, I, I've always had this picture, David standing atop the, the palace, staring out, you know, like we would today with, you know, binoculars or whatever, and sees Bathsheba getting ready to take a bath, and, and I'm sure he stands there thinking, hey, baby, <laughs> I love what you're not wearing. You know, do you always not dress like that? And in his, I'm not going to say weakness, but in his sinfulness, in his carnality, he sends for Bathsheba. And we've, I've heard many, many preachers talk about Bathsheba like she was 
you know, a loose woman, almost like a harlot, the way she supposedly throws herself at David. But there's something in this that we fail to preach effectively. And that is that you did not disobey the king's instruction because if you did, you were put to death. You could not disobey the king's instruction because if you did, you were put to death. That's a powerful thought. So she comes before the king and we have to look at it and go, well, maybe she wasn't, um, you know, she wasn't really... um, so much a willing volunteer as we might like to portray her. Maybe she's acting out of fear of what may happen if she ignores the king's instruction, refuses the king's instruction, or as the relationship between David and Bathsheba develops at, at pace rapidly, if she refuses the king's advances. So David ends up in a position with Bathsheba that he shouldn't be in. And in doing so, he commits adultery and she gets pregnant. Now track with me. I believe with all of my heart that in many ways, the church universal has committed adultery against our bridegroom and is now impregnated with something that is not born of God, is not born of the Spirit. Let me say that again. I believe with all of my heart that the church universal in many ways has committed adultery outside of the relationship we have with our bridegroom, with Christ, spiritual adultery, let's put it like that. And in doing so, in doing so, has become pregnant with something that is not born of the Spirit of God. It carries life, but it is not the life of God in it. It is not the life of Christ in it. So, David continues, and what he does is, he decides to cover his sin. And this is where the story turns. So David sends for Uriah the Hittite, that's Bathsheba's husband, and calls him back to the palace in the hope that he can get him drunk, send him to his wife, and he thinks that the child is his that she's pregnant with because he's, you know, had a relationship with his wife. And in doing so, David covers his sin. But you see, Uriah is a man of principle. Uriah is a man of integrity. And he decides that it would be unfit of him to enjoy relations with his wife, to to sleep in a bed of comfort and pleasure whilst his men are sleeping in ditches and the dirt in the battlefield. So David's plan doesn't work because Uriah will not sleep with Bathsheba. So David tries the plan a second time, and for the second time it fails. And David is running out of options. Hear me what I'm saying. The church universal has tried to cover its sin, 
and we've tried to mess with the integrity and the, the righteousness of men and women of God that are principled, that are not willing to compromise their, mor- their, their morals and their standards whilst they know there are still other men and women of God, you, me, other people, out in the fields still engaged in the battle, still engaged in the warfare that's raging. So David hatches another plan, and his plan is this. He's going to send Uriah back to the battlefield with an instruction to the commanding officer that in the heat of battle, he is to withdraw his troops and leave Uriah completely uh, exposed. And in doing so, Uriah will be killed. And David can then cover his sin, take Bathsheba as one of his wives, and nobody would be any other wiser. Because even the king would be subject to the law concerning adultery in this day and age. And in that day and age, the law concerning adultery, the punishment was death. So even the king was not, spa- was not saved from what would happen under the punishment the law required. So the church has committed adultery. It's become pregnant by something other than the bridegroom. And in doing so, it is now trying to slay righteous men and women of God to cover our sin, to cover our infidelity, to cover our spiritual adultery, to cover the the fact that we are impregnated, impregnated by things that are not of the Spirit of God, that there is a life growing in the womb of the church that is not from the heart of God, from the that is not the seed of God, let me put it that way. So David writes a note, and he gives it to Uriah. And he commands Uriah to give that to the the leader of the army. And Uriah delivers it, never once reads it. And Uriah does not realize he's carrying his own death sentence. See, There are men and women of God that are so instilled with principle, with righteousness, with integrity, that this apostate church that is impregnated with things other than the seed of the Spirit of God has written their death sentence and in their integrity, in their uprightness in their righteousness in their morality they are carrying their own death sentence Uh, let that sink in for a minute they are literally carrying their own death sentence so Uriah hands the note to the commander of the armies And the commander of the armies knows that there is no way he will be able to fulfill this and only Uriah be killed. So he hatches a plan. And his plan is that he will instruct Uriah's battalion to attack a fortified wall 
of the city. And no commander in their right mind would give an instruction of that because you cannot break down and you cannot overcome a fortified wall. But in that element of the battle, the commander knows that not only Uriah, but all of the men will be killed. And the, they go out to battle. And I'm trying to, to keep the story short for you. They go out to battle. And exactly as the commander plans to happen, happens. And all of the men in that battalion are killed. And he writes back to the king, writes back to David to explain that they've had a major loss. But in it, he's sure to, no to note that and Uriah was killed. He's sure to note that Uriah was killed. Because in doing so, he saves himself from admitting that he did not follow the king's instruction and saves himself the death penalty as well. This woman is not so much the willing participant. Her husband is a scapegoat, is someone that David is prepared to sacrifice to cover his sins. In fact, this is not just about the church. This is, somebody watching needs to hear this. All of what I've just described transpires. And out of this union, the child of adultery is born and Nathan the prophet comes to speak to the king and he tells him the child is going to die but he gives him a story he talks about a rich man with loads of sheep and a poor man with one lamb and he tells him about the rich man taking the one lamb of the poor man to slaughter it and eat it like it's uh, eat it himself when he had all of these other lambs and sheep. And he asked David, and who is the rich man? And then he informs David, you are the rich man. You took something that did not belong to you and you consumed it like it did, like it was your own. And because of that, God is going to kill the child of adultery. There is a lot going on in the church today. This apostate church. Where we have taken things that were not our own. And treated them like they were. We've consumed them like they were ours to be eaten, to be consumed. We have worked hard, hatched ungodly plans to cover the sins that we have committed, the adultery that we've committed, because we know full well. <clears throat> and you know, when I talk about problems in the church, I always include myself, as well as including myself in the solution. In our attempts to cover our sins, just like David, we didn't just stop with adultery. 
we became mass murderers. We were prepared to sacrifice one. And in doing so, we sacrificed many that had no reason to be sacrificed to cover our sin. And the child that is born of this spiritual adultery will die because God's curse is upon it. Somebody watching right now is going through a situation in their personal life and the thing that was born out of your spiritual adultery will die because God will not let it live. I talked about the type, the chaos of the cover-up. What David did to cover his sin was far worse than just admitting the fact that he committed adultery and was far worse than the adultery in itself. Now, I don't grade sin, but if you look at it from that perspective, adultery was bad enough, but to become a mass murderer, to cover your adultery, to become a liar to cover your adultery. And the church is in this same place because instead of just admitting that we've fallen into sin, instead of just admitting that we've made mistakes and we now carry something that is not born of the Spirit of God, born of the seed of God, we have committed sin after sin after sin to cover up the mess that we've made. But Nathan the prophet, Dewar the prophet, stands tonight and tells you, this thing that was born of the adultery will die. God is going to kill it. But, but, when we put ourselves right, just like David, who married Bathsheba, who did the right thing, who goes before God and in Psalm 51 cries from the depths of his heart, create in me, O Lord, a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Because you were wondering how I tie Psalm 51 in. David cries the prayer of repentance of Psalm 51 immediately after this whole incident with Bathsheba. It's his prayer of repentance when the Nathan the prophet tells him the child will die. But in doing so, God gives him the opportunity to make things right. And in the relationship that exists between David and Bathsheba, Solomon the wise is born. God is going to take our adultery, take our mistakes, take our sin, take our cover-up. And although the child of adultery will die, what will be born by the Spirit of God will be the living wisdom of God in your life for your next season, for your legacy, for your lineage. God is going to bring out of your sin and instill it to, and use it to build his kingdom. We have got to stop. And just like David did, 
pray that prayer of repentance. Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me and accept that what was born of our sin must die so that what can be born of the Spirit will live. Solomon was to demonstrate the awesome power of God. Gideon, who started with 30,000 men and ends up with 300, was to demonstrate the awesome power of God. Your repentance and willingness to get right is to demonstrate the awesome power of God in your life, in the lives of the people you touch. God is literally going to take a mess that you created and put it in the ground and bury it so that you can get right and do right and in doing so give birth to the Solomon of your life. I know there's at least two people watching right now. I don't even know which platform you're watching on. But you've been asking God to help you put right the mess you created. And the only way to put it right is to let it die. The only way to put it right is to let it die. Because until that sin, until that mistake dies, God cannot birth the Solomon of your life. God cannot birth the thing that will build God's kingdom, that will build God's temple in your life, in your legacy, in your lineage. Stop fighting God and let it die. why churches around the world are clo closing. That's why empires are falling. That's why men and women of gods that have managed to hide their sin for so long are being exposed. God is literally letting everything that was not born of him die. God is exposing spiritual adultery around the earth and killing the children of it. And men and women of God are fighting like I do not know what to keep those children alive. Unless the child died, Solomon would never have been born. Think of that. Unless that child died, Solomon would never once have existed, would not have been born. There is a purpose of God yet to, give, be, to, to, to have birth and have life in your life. 
And until the child of the spiritual adultery dies, it cannot be born. The angel of death is circling. Children born of adultery will die. The angel of death is circling. There are things in your life over the coming weeks and coming months, God is going to allow them to die. But it's because he has a Solomon to come through you. It's because he has the right thing to be birthed through your life. I've said it time after time after time, this pandemic season, God is literally allowing the church to go through a complete reset. I am watching empires fall every week. I am watching churches close their doors every week. And I am not sad by what I'm seeing because way back at the start of this, God told me it would happen and told me, told me, and I've said it many, many times, that this pandemic for the church would be like the flood was to Noah. By the end of it, many would not survive. And that was his intention. God is literally resetting the earth, resetting the, the church in the earth, I should say. And we either let the things that are of the flesh die, or the child of the spirit, the Solomon that is to come, will never be born. What is it in your life that you are refusing to give up? You're fighting to keep it living. You are trying hard to stop it from dying. What is it in your life that God is trying to kill? And why are you so desperately clinging to it? Till that thing, born of adultery, spiritual adultery, might be physical adultery, I don't know. Till that thing that was not born of God dies, the things of the Spirit will not have life in your life. Let it die.